You're listening to Coldo D Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. What we want to talk about today is the leaders of the nation of Israel asking for the return of Messiah Yeshua. So that's the, that's the topic of today's sermon. And um, I, I've always wondered how that is going to happen. And so for some of you that, that may or may not know this, the Messiah, near the end of his time on earth, had a confrontation with the leaders of the nation of Israel. They had rejected him as Messiah. And um, he basically said to them, um, in Matthew 23:39, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So the conclusion to that statement is the world is not going to see him step foot on this earth and, and note my words very carefully. Doesn't mean that the rapture is not going to happen and he's going to meet us in the clouds before that. He will not step foot on this earth until the leaders of the nation of Israel say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that particular passage is a messianic passage from Psalm 118, verse 26. Um, And so um, if the leaders of the nation of Israel say that, they are acknowledging that individual as Messiah, as Savior, I believe, and I believe most of us in here, but certainly many of us believe that the word of, the, of God is completely true. It's inherent. It's 100% true. So when Yeshua says that he's not returning until the leaders of the nation of Israel make that proclamation, that messianic proclamation, he is not returning until then. He's not going to step foot on this earth until then. Um, the Bible also gives us many other facts and clues. It tells us exactly when this is going to occur. Um, and I mean it tells us the events that are going to occur for this to happen. It doesn't necessarily give us the date and time, but it does tell us the events. Um, it tells us that this is going to occur at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, which is the period of time when God pours out his wrath on the earth for massive disobedience on the earth um, and that God fights off the devil and his followers who are attempting to eradicate the nation of Israel from the earth. When is this going to occur? As I said, we don't know the date and the time. Um, We do know it's been roughly 2,000 years since the Messiah last stepped foot on this earth. We do know that. Um, We also have many, many, many bits of information to tell us what's going to be happening at the time of the tribulation period and then at the end of which Yeshua will be returning. So let's talk about what things are going to happen for a moment because for us to know what's going to happen, we have to have a little bit of context here. So the first thing we need to know is we need to know that the nation of Israel has to exist for the leaders of the nation of Israel to be calling upon Messiah Yeshua to come back. The nation of Israel does exist. It was born in 
1948, May 14th to be exact. Um, and it says, I'm going to give you a scriptural reference, Isaiah 11, verses 11 and 12, says that um, God is going to regather his people for a second time. He regathered them first after the Babylonian captivity, but he's going to regather them for a second time. And he's going to bring them this time from the four corners of the earth. Um, there are Jewish people all over the earth. Um, it's amazing to me. I've been fortunate to travel the world in my lifetime. And I've seen and gotten to know Jewish people from all different parts of the world. So they are scattered. God is going to bring them back. And he is bringing them back. And he specifically says he's going to bring them from the north. There's 1.7 million Jews in Israel from Russia, and Russia is the north because in God's eyes, every direction is from Jerusalem, and Russia is due north of Jerusalem. There's 1.7 million Jews living in Israel that are from Russia, and I believe there's about 9 million Jews in, Russia, in, in Israel, so that's a very large portion of them. It also says that... Um, all the nations are going to be coming against his people. Um, your scriptural reference for that is going to be Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14. So you can look that up later on to see that. Also, we have scriptural basis that tells us that when this time happens, when this tribulation period happens, travel and knowledge will increase greatly. Travel has increased tremendously over the past 200 years. Used to be that um, all travel was done either by sea, by boat, or on land by archaic means, horse, horse and buggy, walking. Then we had some train travel. And then from that, we ended up having car travel. In the early 1900s, the automobile was and I'm going to use this word loosely, perfected. It was able to run. Cars back then were very, very poor in relation to the way they are now. Um, roads were very poor in relation to the way they are now, but it still was much, much better than a horse and buggy would have been. Um, planes, commercial planes, came into existence and really came into full existence in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. And they've just been expanding ever since. They've gotten better. Um, they can go longer. You can go around the world in a day. Um, a flight from Newark, New Jersey to Mumbai, India takes 16 hours nonstop. I've been on that flight four times, so I know that. Um, and that is pretty much the other side of the world. Um, so uh, it's 11 and a half hour time difference. So it's pretty much the other side of the world. So travel's increased. Knowledge has increased greatly. My backup that I was going to use today if this computer didn't work was this smartphone. And probably most of you watching and most of you in here probably have a smartphone. If you don't, you certainly know of people that do. Um, there are 6.3 billion smartphones in the world today, not cell phones, smartphones. And so that's a lot of smartphones. From this phone, you can get information on what's happening on the other side of the world instantaneously. There are news feeds, newscasts, there is activity. 
You can talk to people on the other side of the world. You can talk to them and see them on the other side of the world instantaneously. A um, hundred years ago, you weren't able to do that. A hundred years ago, you basically got your news several days late, maybe a few weeks late. Um, and that was even much better than it was a hundred years before that. So knowledge has increased greatly. Daniel 12, verse 4, is the scriptural reference for that. And the amazing thing is the, the iPhone came, in, came out in 2004, which is less than 20 years ago. There were other things that were similar, not quite as good, Blackberries and the like before that, but even them, even they only came out 10 years before that. So it hasn't been very long that we've had absolute instant access to this. I remember when I was younger, there was three television stations. They were all network stations. And there was one, what we called, I think it was called UHF stations, which was very blurry, buzzy, and didn't sound very good, that had um, some programs on. I do remember very rarely, but occasionally I would get up after midnight when I was younger, and I'd turn the TV on, and then there was no programming on, because programming came off from 12 midnight to 6 a.m. So that's when I was growing up. When my parents grew up, there was no television. So they had no access to seeing things that were happening not right where they were. So lots changed. I mean, these are my parents that, you know, they're, they're both passed away, but there are people of their age that are still living. So, um, so lots changed in a very short period of time. Um, one of the other things that says that apostasy will occur and the man of perdition will be revealed. And unfortunately, I'm sad to say that that is the case. Um, certainly, the apostasy has occurred. Um, and I just can sort of see that. I mean, I'm not suggesting that things were great when I was younger. I'm not. Things, we had major problems back then. But we have, you know, the breakdown of the family now. Um, that's a terrible problem, and so we pray, and I pray for our families. Family unit is extremely important. Marriages are extremely important to a child. Family unit is essential. Um, we've had the breakdown of that. We've had a lot of things that, like them or not, and they're very emotional, go against the Word of God. Um, some of the things that are occurring in our country, and I won't get into details, but they are against the word of God. And I told you before, I will preach the word of God. Um, and so uh, I will just say that certainly in my opinion, things that are happening are greater and farther away from the word of God than they ever have been. And it seems like they're continuing in that manner and getting worse. Also for this um, seven year period, this tribulation to occur, we have to have technology where chips can be implanted into people's hands or foreheads. That is now available. We have that. There are chips that are now implanted into animals, and we can certainly see where they are from afar as a result of that. Um, so technology has come a long way, some good, some bad. Um, technology is wonderful in some respects. It's terrible in other respects. So, but we have had an explosion of technology and knowledge um, at this point in time. 
Now, how will the Jewish nation even know to call for Messiah Yeshua? As I said earlier, I'm going to preach the word. You can like it or not like it. Um, but we have had um, a little bit of a change as a worldview where people are um, sort of adopting the um, philosophy of treating the word of God as second class and people's feelings as first class. If they are in contrast to the word of God, um, I'm completely against that. The word of God is God's word. I believe he wants us to tell people about it so they can respond in a manner based on the full knowledge of what he says. But nonetheless, right now, the nation of Israel, we are seeing more and more Jewish people coming to know Messiah Yeshua. Um, we are, which is a wonderful thing. It's happened in greater numbers in the past 50 years. That's a wonderful thing. But even still, there still is a man minority, a remnant of people that are Jewish that know the Lord and have given their heart to him and have accepted um, Yeshua's Messiahship, his blood atonement. Um, and the majority of the Jewish nation doesn't believe that at this point. Certainly, the majority of the leaders don't believe that, and they don't believe that there is a need for the Messiah at this point. So how are they going to know? So I'm not going to get into a lot of detail about the tribulation period. I'm not, but I have to give a little bit of background about it. Um, and so I'm going to say that there is going to be a seven-year peace treaty between the anti-Messiah and the nation of Israel sometime in the future, and there's going to be a rebuilt temple. And that is going to be the kickoff of the tribulation period. That's going to happen in some point in the future. Scriptures are very clear about that. Revelation chapter 11 will give you some details about that. Um, and what's going to happen is the temple is going to be reinstated and the sacrificial system will be reinstated. What's going to be on slide two are two witnesses that the Lord is going to send down and they are going to be on the Temple Mount. Um, these two witnesses um, are certainly sent by God. Um, there's a lot of debate as to who they are and what they're going to be doing. Most scholars believe that these two witnesses are either Moses and Elijah or Enoch and, and Elijah. The ones that believe that they're going to be Moses and Elijah are because for a lot of reasons, but because mainly that they were on the Mount of Transfiguration with Messiah Yeshua. Um, those that believe that they, it's going to be Enoch and Elijah mainly believe that because they never died, and God will send two that have never died to come back and preach his word. But several things about them. They are going to preach on the Temple Mount for 1,260 days or three and a half years. No one is going to be able to hurt them. They are going to preach the word of the Lord. There's not going to be any pulling, any punches. There's not going to be any doubt what they're saying. Yeshua is Messiah. He's Messiah for the Jewish people. He's Messiah for the non-Jewish people. And everyone has to accept him as their Messiah. And his blood atonement provides atonement for their sin. And if you don't accept him then you are going to be punished by the Lord at some point in time in eternity. There's no doubt that's what they're going to be preaching. People don't like that kind of preaching. 
And so they are going to make many enemies. People are going to uh, try to have them killed, stopped, whatever they can do. God has given them special powers to prevent this from happening. He can strike back, they can strike back at their enemies. They can cause major pain and torture to their enemies. They can kill their enemies. This picture denotes fire coming out of their mouth. They can absolutely do that and kill their enemies. They are not, they are, quote, untouchable for 1260 days. They're absolutely untouchable. Um, You'll see they are in sackcloth. They are not in what we consider high-end attire. They are in sackcloth. And so God reminds everyone that God cares about the heart. He doesn't care about the outside. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. But they are going to be preaching the word, and the nation of Israel is going to be hearing it. The rest of the world is going to be hearing it as well. Um, There's also 144,000 witnesses from the 12 tribes of Israel that are going to be sealed, and they're going to be preaching the word as well around the world. And the nation of Israel and the Israeli people will hear that as well. Again, they won't be pulling any punches. They're going to tell it exactly like it is. Then, ultimately, I said 1,260 days. 1,260 days will end and these people will be killed by the enemy. I don't really like this photo too much because it depicts just the local people. There is going to be a lot of people that are going to be viewing the death of these two witnesses. The whole world, as a matter of fact, is going to be viewing them all at the same time. And today we have no problem believing that because there's 6.3 billion smartphones where we can see from all over the world that they are now no longer living. And, but a hundred years ago, that wasn't the case. From all the way to way back when, from a hundred years ago, people said, well, this is evidence, this scripture is evidence that the Bible can't be true. How in the world can everybody in the whole world see something at the same time? And some people said, you know what? They can. They just can't do it now. God's going to change things. Other people did say, well, you know, it's allegorical. It's not actual. It's not going to happen. It's just, you know. But the reality is today, there's no question about this particular scripture. People believe it's going to be happening. It is going to happen. Um, Their enemies will rejoice that they are dead because they tormented them for three and a half years. Matter of fact, their enemies are going to be sending gifts to one another You know you're hurting when you die and your enemies send gifts to one another. You know you're not liked. So this is going to happen. But then something miraculous is going to happen. After three days, the spirit of life from God enters them and calls them to heaven. Spirit of God enters them, calls them to heaven, They go up and go up to heaven. They ascend to heaven in the clouds. That's going to happen. When they do that, their enemies are going to be petrified. Oh my goodness, what in the world just happened here? But it is going to happen. They will be petrified. We now pass this stage. The Jewish people are hearing this. Still don't believe. They don't believe. For the most part, again, I'm not talking about the believers. We have many believers in here. 
that are Jewish that believe, and we have many believers in the world that are Jewish that believe. I'm not talking about them, I'm talking about the majority of the people that don't believe. So now, at this point, the enemy, the devil, Satan, and the anti-Messiah spend the rest of their time seeking to destroy the Jewish people. We're now three and a half years into the tribulation. They're looking to destroy the Jewish people. That's what they want to do. That's their goal. And the question is, why the Jewish people? Why them? They haven't really done anything really to bother anybody. Um, and, but the answer is, is that Satan is able to get out of his punishment in the lake of fire if he is successful in, in, in ridding the world of the Jewish nation. Of course, that can't happen. That doesn't mean he won't try. He will try. There's no question about that. He is going to control the world leaders. There's going to be seven kings that are going to be right there with him. He's going to have killed three other kings before that, and he'll take over their throne. And um, there'll be seven kings to go with him, and their goal is to go and attack Jerusalem and kill the Jewish people. So what's going to happen is there's going to be an initial battle, an initial battle, there'll be an initial battle in Jerusalem. The nation of Israel will be defending that land, um, but they will, not, they will not win that battle. They will lose that battle after, after a rough fight, um, and this is going to be Micah. In the modern Bible, it's going to be 5 verse 1. In the original Israeli Hebrew text, it's going to be Micah 4 verse 14. They are going to lose that battle. You can also find a description in Zechariah 12 verses 1 through 3. They're going to lose the battle, and they are going to flee. Revelation 12 verse 6 tells them all about how to flee and what to watch for as they flee. But the question is, where do they go? And before we even answer that question, we say, how many are left? So there's Zechariah 12, verse 8, sorry, 13, verse 8, tells us there's a third of the Jewish people left at that point. So two-thirds are dead, a third are left. Um, not, not great, a third of the people are left all during this time, and I don't have time to describe it, but there's all kinds of things happening in the world, and people are dying, and plagues, and God's sending his wrath down on the world. So people are dying left and right. So, and there's only a third of Jewish people that are left, and they've got to go somewhere. They're running, and God tells us where they're going to go. They're first, it's going to be in the mountains, Matthew 24, verse 15 and 16. It's going to be in the wilderness, Revelation 12, verse 6. It's going to be a place prepared in advance, which is Micah chapter 2, verse 12. And Micah chapter 2, verse 12 specifically states it's going to be a place called Basra, which today, modern-day Petra, is in southern Jordan. And so you say to yourself, what's it like? Go to the next slide, we'll have a little bit of an idea of what it's like. You can see there's big formations carved in rocks. It's like a city carved in rocks. See the people there at the bottom. You can see how big that structure is. It's a very narrow passageway, and there's only one way in and out. So these narrow passageways are just sort of, will make it difficult once you get in to get out if somebody is coming on you. Um, and then there's other things to help you survive. There's water, there's good land to graze, there's those kinds of things. There's a place for entertainment, there's an amphitheater there. 
Um, it's 1.25 miles long, and that's where they're going to go, and they're going to be safe for a while. But the enemy is not going to let them stay there. The enemy is going to attack them. And so we are going to see that the enemy comes, it attacks them, and it corners them. So now they're trapped. So now here's the situation. We're now at the end of the second half of the tribulation, and the Jewish people now have heard for seven years, Jesus is the Messiah. Yeshua is the Mashiach. His atonement is the only way. It's the only way. He's the Messiah. You have to call on him to come save you. You have to. It's your only hope. So the nation of Israel's there. They've been hearing this for seven years. The enemy's upon them. We now come to um, the point where they are desperate. Psalm 80, if you have your Bibles, or if you have a smartphone that has a Bible, if you'll go to Psalm 80, this is a description of what is going to happen when the nation of Israel is backed into a corner at the end of the tribulation. And it is verse 1 in this Bible. It may be verse 2 if you have a Hebrew Bible. Um, it says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that sit between the, cher the cherubim, shine forth. Well, who sits between the cherubim? That's God the Father. So they're calling on God. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up thy might and come and save us. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Okay, so the nation of Israel is calling upon God to save them. Step one. That's step one. They're calling upon God. O Jehovah God, O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the people of your prayer? So they're just basically saying in the next couple of verses... God, you're angry with us for so long. Why, God, stop being angry with us? Please, you've caused our enemies to come upon us. We're, we're stuck. We're, we're absolutely in big trouble here. We need you. Our enemies laugh amongst themselves. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. So they're calling on God to save them. That's good. It's really good. Next verse says, Thou broughtest out a vine out of Egypt to drive out the nations. And plant the system. Well, who is the vine that God brought out of, of Egypt? That is Yeshua Messiah. It's in the New Covenant. But that's only part of it. That's not the final thing. So we're on the right track at this point. And we basically go through a few more verses. Finally, the nation says, Turn again, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven, behold, and visit this vine and the branch that thou made strong for thyself. Then we turn to the key verse, which in the New Bible is Psalm 80, verse 17. In the original, it's verse 18. Let thy hand be upon the man of your right hand, on the son of man who you've made strong for yourself. So here is the leaders of the nation of Israel asking God to put his hand on the man of his right hand. Who sits at the right hand of God the Father? Yeshua the Messiah. They're asking him with the word, the Son of Man, which is an acronym for the Son of God. 
they're acknowledging he is the Son of God. They're asking for his return. They are saying, God, this is what we need. We need him to be sent. God will send him. He will immediately come down. He will beat back the enemies of God. He will have people with him that he's going to bring that have gone up in the rapture. They're going to come back. And they may be eager to help him. He won't need their help. He is going to basically go and destroy the enemy and there will be blood scattered amongst his garments. Isaiah 63 is your uh, scripture verses 1 through 6 that are going to show what he does. There's going to be blood everywhere and it's going to be high up to the bridles of the horses so it's going to be very high. Isaiah 63 verse 2 talks about the garments of the Messiah. They're red and as if they were been through a wine press. So there's going to be blood everywhere. The enemy is going to be destroyed. Then verse 3, I have trodden the winepress alone from the nations. No one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. Their blood spattered my garments. I stained all my clothing. So the Messiah comes and destroys the enemy, and this is the beginning of the tribulation period, and all Israel will be saved. Now, this is going to happen. Like I said, I don't exactly know when, but it is going to happen. Um, the signs are here that tribulation can begin any time God chooses to do that. And so message for everyone, and the key to this particular sermon is the reason why the nation of Israel is saved is not because they're Jewish. That's not the reason they're saved. The reason that they all will be saved is because they put their faith in Messiah Yeshua and his blood atonement. It's that simple. I can't make it clearer than that. That's why they'll be saved. So there'll be a third of them that will be left. The question is, when that's going to be the only way for them to be saved, why would you wait to be saved until that time? Why would you? You can be saved right now. You can put your faith and trust in Messiah Yeshua, in the Lord God who sent his sacrifice for you. That is the point. Because if you choose to wait, which you can, you have every right to, you can say, you know what? I think I'll wait, and when everybody goes, I'll go. You may not be one of the third. You may not be one of the people from the nations, if you happen not to be Jewish, that makes it till the end. You may have made the mistake and taken the chip in your hand, which if you do, you're done. So um, the message is, now is the time for salvation. Not then, not tomorrow, not seven years from now or seven years from when the tribulation begins. The time is now. It's nice that we have all this. God gives us all this. This is going to happen. I would like to be seeing it from afar, from up in heaven as a raptured saint and serving the Lord best I can. And so, and if you have accepted the Messiah, serve the Lord with all your heart. Serve the Lord. If you happen to make mistakes, and I do every day, so, you know, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me, you know, ask for forgiveness 
and then turn away from that sin, share your faith with others. Don't sugarcoat things, because I don't believe God wants you to sugarcoat them. I think it's like a train coming at someone that doesn't see the train. You certainly would want someone to tell you the train is coming. The train's coming. And your choice is here and now on this earth. If you happen to be one of the ones that doesn't make it to that point in time and you haven't accepted the Messiah, you will certainly bear the consequences. And um, you don't want those consequences, I can promise you that. So, number one, accept the Lord. Easy to do. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Messiah, that he died for your sins, that he was raised on the third day. And then serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Be a servant of his. Be grateful for what he's giving you. Love the Lord. If you would, I'd just like to pray for a moment, and then we're going to, Tyler's going to lead us in the ironic benediction. Lord, we just thank you for your wonderful word to study. It's great. It's wonderful. It's a blessing. We thank you for this wonderful service for the people that worked so hard to glorify you, Lord God. We thank you for the people here and the people that are watching online that have taken the time to hear your word, Lord God. Let us act, Lord God. Let those that don't know you come to, to accept, that, accept that great news that you have for them, Lord. And for those that do know you, help us to live for you, Lord, just for, for in every way, in, in every right way. Help us to live for you, Lord, in your glory. Be glorified with us, Lord. We love you so, and we praise you. And if you did just recite that for the first time, let us know. If you're watching online, call us. Let us know. If you're here, come seek out one of the prayer warriors that will be praying after service um, that can pray with you. Um, Lord, we love you. And Tyler will come up and recite the benediction. Vashim Yeshua HaMashiach Sahashalom The Lord bless you and keep you Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you The Lord lift up his countenance upon you And give you his peace In the name of Yeshua our Messiah the ruler of peace. Amen.